0: From the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast, this is Ag Day.
1: Respecting the land. However we can
2: respect what the land can produce for us and work in tandem with that to create opportunities as we go along, I think it's
1: it's an honor. Meet another finalist for top producer of the year a court decision that could dramatically impact farmers' ability to control weeds as we head into planting season, while we prepare for the release of new supply-demand numbers from USDA. They should come down on soybeans, I would anticipate. The key numbers the markets will be focusing on, right now, on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when experience meets expertise. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. We have a lot to get to this morning. A key court ruling that could impact an important weed killer just before the start of planning. And a new report from USDA that could be a market mover. USDA sets set to release its latest supply-demand report today. It comes on the heels of last month's report, which shocked analysts. AgDays' Michelle Rook joins me. And Michelle, market watchers aren't expecting as much excitement this month.
0: So Clinton, market analysts are expecting only slight adjustments in domestic usage and ending stocks in the February WASDE. South American production numbers will be more closely watched. However, USDA's figures may get trumped by CONAB's production estimates, which will be out early this morning. On the domestic balance sheet traders expect USDA to only lower ending stocks slightly for corn and wheat. Corn at 2.146 billion bushels down 16 million from January and wheat at 647 million down a million. However, on soybeans, USDA could trim soybean exports, resulting in a bigger carryover by 4 million bushels.
3: Just minor fine tuning typically is what happens uh, from a domestic usage perspective. Uh, we know the supply side, so the only thing that can change on the supply side at this point in time is is changes imports. Uh, I don't think the USDA will make those changes, any changes there this month, Uh, so just minor fine-tuning on the demand side.
0: South American production will be a bigger focus, especially for Brazil, with their historic drought. Estimates for Brazil soybeans are at 152 and a half to 153 million metric tons, down 4 million from last month. Corn just over 124 million, a cut of nearly 3 million metric tons. However, USDA has been slow to cut Brazil's crop, and their numbers are well above private estimates.
1: They're going to wait till they get some more, you know, solid numbers, and, and we should be getting some pretty good numbers out of the harvest right now, since it's moving fast in Brazil. So for the soybeans and for the first corn crop, so we should get a pretty good handle on those two. It's the second safrina crop, you know, that second corn crop that is really going to be the wild card.
0: However, Brazil's government reporting agency, CONAB, will release projections before USDA, which are likely to get more respect than USDA's numbers.
3: They should come down on soybeans, I would anticipate. Uh, Probably the bigger thing uh, from CONAB this month is the first estimate for the safrina corn crop. and, And up until this point in time, they, they just use basically uh, trend line numbers. And, and so uh, corn probably has more potential uh, for for bigger news uh, coming out of Conab than soybeans, in my opinion.
0: But again, even Conab's estimates have been well above private firms, leaving room to again disappoint the market. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day.
1: A developing story we're working on. Farmers may not be able to use dicamba this growing season, Following a federal court ruling in Arizona, the U.S. District Court in Tucson, ruling the EPA violated notice and comment mandates for the pesticide registrations. And for that reason, it vacated the approval of three products used over the top of dicamba-resistant cotton and soybeans in 34 states. Now The court acknowledged the herbicides' benefits in controlling resistant weeds, but says EPA didn't follow procedures and failed to assess risks and costs for non-users of dicamba. Now, the companies, Bayer, Syngenta, and BASF, could appeal to the Ninth Circuit Court. EPA could also quickly review the herbicide's environmental and economic impacts, but getting that all done before planning starts would be difficult. There's also a chance the herbicide could get emergency authorization from EPA. Now, Bayer releasing a statement saying, quote, we respectfully disagree with the ruling against the EPA's registration decision And we are assessing our next steps. We also await direction from the EPA on important actions it may take in response to the ruling. Our top priority is making sure growers have the approved products and support they need to safely and successfully grow their crops. While California starts to recover from another atmospheric river event, many in the Midwest are wondering where winter went. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with a look ahead, Matt.
4: Well, oh, not to worry, Now winter will be back. We're seeing uh, the temperature outlook, uh, the orange actually shrink the deeper we're going to February. And that's something that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, and that the warm pattern that we've had, it was going to flip back to cooler than average conditions. And that's what we're getting, up towards Montana, back down to Texas, and especially into the southeast. Now, the one caveat with this is you remember in January, early January, we flipped. Uh, very cold, uh, temperatures well below average with record-setting low temperatures. This one's going to be a little bit different. Once we get on the other side of the 16th, I've been kind of using Valentine's Day uh, as the threshold. On the other side of Valentine's Day, temperatures are going to come back down, but we're not crashing. Not as, as of yet. Uh, latest data indicating, uh, indicating back towards average, if not slightly below average, but not necessarily crashing. And you can see the uh, warm-up. Already starts back on the west coast once we get on the other side of uh, Valentine's Day or the 16th. So we'll be watching that trend uh, as well. And check out this great sunrise. Uh, Sheldon sending this one in from Wisconsin sharing his morning farm view. Great to see. I'll have more on your forecast coming up.
1: Now trade continues to be a hot topic on the campaign trail. The Commerce Department releasing new data showing the trade deficit narrowed last year, falling nearly 20% to $773.4 billion. But that's off a record high in 2022. Now, the narrowing of the U.S. trade gap, its first in four years, was pushed closer by companies building up inventories and post-pandemic spending, shifting back towards services and experiences. Now, on the Ag side, the Commerce Department says exports of food and feed were the lowest since 2020. Now there are reports, if former President Trump is elected to the office again, that he is considering a 60% tariff on Chinese goods. And there is growing bipartisan support in Congress for possible tariff increases on China, with lawmakers also recommending restrictions on Chinese investments to address concerns about economic ties between the two largest global economies. President Biden's trade chief, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai, taking part in a discussion this week at the University of Chicago Institute of Politics. Now, she emphasized that tariffs represent just one aspect of the complex trade dynamic with China, calling them a defensive tool.
3: It's all about how you use them. And if you use them, smartly, if you use them with the goal in mind of addressing unfairness to uh, leveling the playing field, then um, they're absolutely useful.
1: Ty went on to say that the Biden administration's offense includes investing in the U.S., including in infrastructure, computer chips, and science, along with research and development in clean energy technologies. Push the Bushel Boundary on Ag Day is brought to you by Tendovo Soybean Herbicide, raising the pre-emergence bar one clean row at a time. Plant 2024 is already underway in some parts of the U.S. and heading into this season, farmers will be looking for ways to push the bushel boundary to make up for lower grain prices. Now, farmers often get the best agronomic tips for success from other farmers, from weed control and fertility to new technology, farmers are sharing how various practices are working on their own farms as we kick off a new growing season and there were many lessons learned during the drought in 2023 that farmers will be applying this year
4: well I think we start planting beans planting soybeans a lot earlier every year it seems like uh, you know used to you just know, in our area we didn't start till the first of May well we started planting beans the 17th 18th of April this year and we were done by the 1st of May so I think that had a a really a huge, huge help, a huge start for the crop to get them in planted earlier. And we've been using a little bit of starter fertilizer on some beans, so uh, we feel like that helps us, especially those early planted beans where the ground's a little cooler. It kind of gets them uh, plant going. And he and other farmers in
1: Missouri say they had great success with achieving higher than expected yields on both soybeans and corn last year, despite that widespread drought. Soybeans couldn't keep the green streak going on Wednesday. We'll take a look at what the markets are watching ahead of today's report next. And later, respecting the land and the opportunities it creates. Meet another top producer of the year, finalist. of today's USDA report, corn and soybeans tumbled. Michelle Rook is back with a look at what else analysts are watching in Markets Now.
0: Grains ending mixed on Wednesday. Mark Schultz, Northstar Commodity, is with us. And Mark, uh, soybean markets, some new lows for the move. Was that fun selling? I know there was some talk of some China cancellations in the market.
3: Yeah, the the grains uh, simply don't seem to have much fear about the report that will be out here this morning uh, coming up. you know, and I, and I maybe rightfully so. We're certainly not getting any new demand. And of course, uh, China's on holiday, but regardless, uh, you're still seeing beans offered out into the world market under uh, by Brazil, and they will be eventually by Argentina under US prices. So that the buyers are going to ship their buying uh, scenario over to South America at this time. Oh, for beans, for starters, and corn will be right on its heels probably in the May, June time period.
0: Yeah, and corn, some new contract lows once again. Did, you know, the corn market get pulled down by soybeans or is the market fearful of this very fast planting pace we're seeing on that second crop corn in Brazil?
3: I think it's from the uh, the uh, concern, at least it is in my view, of the rapid uh, soybean harvest that's taking place in Brazil, which is allowing the subpoena corn to get planted more of it in, a, in the timely uh, window uh, opportunity. Uh, So I think that's my biggest concern is that we might see acreage maybe go up, not down on corn in Brazil. And that is the concern. Now, obviously, in the big scope of things, when it's all said and done at the end of the day, you need to have the wet season end early, even if you do get the stuff planted out in timely fashion. And we won't know that until we get into late March, April time period.
0: So where do you see the next support area on the charts here for corn now that we made that contract low again? $4.10
3: $4.10 a bushel is the next level of support on the chart. So uh, it still has some more downside. I'd say on the upside, short term, what I'd like to see is December corn close above 482, 483. Uh, if you could do that, uh, you'd be the first signal, possibly, of a little bit better chart signal. You got to have something that gets the funds who are holding massive short positions to get them onto the nervous side and want a short cover. We have yet to see that happen.
0: Okay, thanks for joining us. That's Mark Schultz Nurse Star Commodity. We'll have more update coming up.
4: systems uh, moving across the United States. The first one. So this is for our Thursday. Later on this afternoon into the evening hours, a pocket of energy bringing in not only some snow into Montana, possibly the Dakotas, but also rain on the eastern side of it may actually get, because temperatures are expected to really push well above average, uh, some isolated thunderstorms as well, mainly into Illinois and Wisconsin. Now this is Thursday at 10 p.m. Now that first one moves out. We still have a number of inches, if not feet of snowfall in the forecast. Through Friday for the higher terrain, but we're finally starting to shut off uh, the uh, the faucet over there into Southern California by Friday night into Saturday. I think we're going to be done with that, uh, what we've been calling uh, the river, uh, the moisture of river in and across parts of California. Look how this next system really starts to spread out uh, across the southeast. This is Sunday at 1 a.m. We're going to get back into a typical winter pattern across the United States with a trough digging off to the west, low-pressure system at the surface that's going to combine with that moisture and that freezing line is going to be cutting right through parts of Oklahoma as well as into Missouri. This is Sunday night and into Monday uh, with most of the stain isolated to the south. Uh, Parts of the Midwest, cloud cover, uh, maybe some light rain, uh, possibly some snowflakes next week. Otherwise, uh, not really adding much to the current snow depth in across the, uh, the Midwest and back down here towards Arkansas and Oklahoma until the end of the weekend, possibly into next week. What this looks like from a jet stream perspective, ridge of high pressure, this is on Thursday, uh, combining with that trough out there to the west, right in between is where the rail tracks, uh, railroad tracks will lay down uh, for some of the low pressure systems to work across. Again, that's all the way into next Tuesday and Wednesday. Nice warm-up starting to show up already on the west coast. That's next Wednesday. Warnsburg, Missouri, partly cloudy there with uh, some wind, high around 67 degrees. Stanley, Idaho, cloudy, high around 30 degrees, low of 14. Millington, Tennessee, cloudy, high of 63 degrees.
1: Drover's Report on Ag Day is brought to you by Neogen. Discover your possibilities and enhance your herd's potential. 2024 could be a record year for restaurants, including those that sell beef. The National Restaurant Association reports the food service industry could see 1.1 trillion dollars in sales for the first time in history. It says the industry is on track to add 200,000 jobs, pushing total employment to 15.7 million people. However, just over 25 percent of restaurant operators say their establishments will be more profitable this year, with many blaming higher food and labor costs. Among those higher food costs, higher costs for beef. Cattlefax forecasting USDA all fresh retail beef prices expected to average $7.90 a pound, and it says while higher beef prices may soften consumer purchasing habits, they predict the consumer preference for U.S. beef will continue to support relatively strong demand. The NCBA has a new president mark isley a wyoming rancher was announced as the president of the association at this year's cattle industry convention last week in orlando florida now isley and his family operate king ranch near cheyenne he says his focus will be to advocate for opportunities to strengthen the industry for future generations and for producers' freedom to operate. He also sees protecting property rights and reinforcing the industry's position as an ally in preserving open spaces and wildlife habitat through managed grazing practices as a top priority. Managing rangeland, cropland, and livestock takes a lot of hard work. But one family operation thrives in diversification while respecting that land. Respecting the land while helping to grow and diversify your operation. That's the goal of another of our top producer of the year finalists. This morning, we head to South Dakota and Christensen Land and Cattle. We're always looking for opportunities to grow. At Christensen Land and Cattle, they're committed to excellence and continuous improvement, a mindset that started when Christine Hamilton's family homesteaded in South Dakota back in 1891.
2: However we can respect what the land can produce for us and work in tandem with that to create opportunities as we go along, I think it's, a, it's an honor.
1: Christine came back to help transition the operation in 1993. Today, she serves as co-owner with husband Eddie and enjoys her role of overseeing CLC's vision.
2: Being able to see all aspects of it and being able to have the mobility to Uh, engage in all aspects of it.
1: But she attributes their success to a management team of nine full-time employees who run the day-to-day activities. We farm 14,000 acres with a diversified rotation, mainly corn, beans, and wheat. They use cutting-edge technology to push yield potential while protecting the land. We get into Precision Ag very intensive by we strip till and variable rate the fertilizer that we that we're putting down with our strip till and then we variable our seed with our planters. CLC also has 11,000 acres of rangeland and runs 1,100 head of cattle managed by Sean Reese with a holistic approach.
3: Rotating pastures, staying away from season-long grazing. We rotate our cows probably monthly trying not to be on the same pasture two years in
2: a row.
1: CLC uses activity-based accounting, which they adopted back in 2001, following the Hamilton's involvement with the Farm Financial Standards Council.
2: We have a very extensive uh, system um, for that, and that really helps the whole management team know where their costs are at in any given time.
3: Christine has always led the organization into taking a look at opportunities, both traditional and non-traditional, not afraid to uh, examine things that might be a little bit riskier as long as they have the
1: opportunity to provide returns. One of those opportunities is their wholesale beef business. And the Hamiltons are part owners in SAB Therapeutics, which is now publicly traded. SAB Biotherapeutics is a technology that is one of a kind. It's unique. It's a source of human polyclonal antibodies outside of a human. And it's through CLC's Business Innovation that ensures all of these companies, as well as the farm, are financially sound.
2: So we are always looking at measuring costs and analyzing our performance.
1: Congratulations to Christensen Land & Cattle, a finalist for the 2024 Top Producer of the Year. And we'll introduce you to our third finalist tomorrow morning. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.